So I was recently talking to a friend who has a very popular but anonymous Twitter meme page and he told me that he had been approached by several brands wanting to run campaigns on the page. But at the same time, he really wanted to keep the page anonymous. So that's why he was living a huge dilemma. Does he reveal his identity or could he find ways to get hired through an alter ego or virtual identity? Well, to be honest, I still don't have an answer to the day because it hasn't gone through, but there are definitely regulatory challenges involved here. But that conversation sparked a deep reflection within myself. Nowadays, not all people have a digital identity that does not match their real-world offline identity, although social media doesn't necessarily portray us as we usually are, but it portrays an improved, prettier version of us, right? But in the world of Web3 and of the metaverse, we will all have not just one, but several digital identities, which are a reflection of the multiple platforms or metaverses in which we will all be able to live, a professional metaverse, a metaverse to play, socialize, and so on. So, how to deal with all this multiplicity of identities that, however, converge in the physical identity behind it all, right? At the same time, I want you to think about the way we look at the impact that technologies have on the world today and on businesses. We always think about them individually, pondering upon the impact that blockchain has on supply chains, about the impact that DeFi, namely decentralized finance, has on the banking industry, about the impact that the metaverse has on customer relationship, and we kind of look at them in a specialized and individual way. But you know what's funny? That the real power comes from the convergence between these technologies, that is, you know, the combination between them. Because look, the last book I read before the beginning of COVID, I remember until today, was one that I bought at the San Francisco airport called The Future is Faster Than You Think by Peter Diamantis. And he defended a thesis in which I strongly believe, that is that the true exponential acceleration in business comes from the convergence of new technologies, that is from you know, a combination between them and not necessarily from them taken in an isolated context. This book, however, sparked a huge question in me. That is, how will leaders manage to, you know, basically manage so much varied knowledge in a world where we are used to being experts in a technology or a type of product or an area of expertise? Doesn't the convergence of Web3 technologies call for a new knowledge model? Well, that's why in this episode, I'm going to address the concept of cognitive flexibility, which is the mental model that the meta leader uses to manage knowledge and to better understand what this cognitive flexibility is, you know, that allows us to navigate the complexity and multiplicity of technologies of Web3, of identities and areas of knowledge. Let's now delve deeper into today's episode. Here's your host, Andrea Iorio speaking. I'm an Italian keynote speaker to more than 100 companies per year, focusing on digital transformation, leadership and innovation, and a best-selling author of two books in Portuguese. I'm based out of New York City, and I worked over the last 10 years in Brazil as the head of Tinder and as chief digital officer at L'Oreal. I'm an economist specialized in behavioral science from Bocconi University. I hold a master's degree in international relations from Johns Hopkins, and I currently teach at the executive MBA at Fundação Dom Cabral, the top executive business school in Latin America, according to the Financial Times ranking. And if you enjoy the podcast and want to get in touch, you can contact me at andreaiario.com or on LinkedIn, or engage daily with my community of more than 60,000 followers with contents at the intersection of business, technology, behavioral science, and philosophy. So hit me up there. I want to start off with a provocation. So 
Have you noticed that even in a world where, as we said in the introduction to this episode, there is an infinity of variables that affect our business, determined by the convergence of Web3 technologies, multiple identities, even multiple metaverses, because think about it today, we look at the internet as a single and centralized digital world, while Web3 is decentralized. Well, the paradox is that we are educated to think in a specialized and linear way, which, let's face it, goes exactly against any logic in the Web3 world. I think about my case. So growing up, you know, I was always thinking about what I was going to do in life because I was taught that at by age 18, we should be clear about our plans and ambitions and, you know, pick uh, at the university topic we wanted to become an expert. And so, uh, you know, I, I, felt, I followed this pattern, but it never felt right to me. So I was wondering why would I have to hyper-specialize in an overly complex and multifaceted word, right? And I think I'm sure you feel the same because... The problem is that our education system is programmed to create experts, right? Even though we study many different subjects and learn many different things over the years, we're naturally guided by the educational system to make decisions about our path that makes us more expert. Isn't it like that? But let's dig deeper and try to understand the dynamics that made the word produce and ask for experts until recently. What is changing now? Eventually why it is also important to leaders in the Web3 era. So it all started 12,000 years ago, when 10,000 years before the birth of Christ, people began working in the field and farming, and hunter-gatherers who traveled to the Fertile Crescent region of the Middle East in search of food began harvesting wild grains that they found growing there and scattering spare grains on the ground started to produce more food. And over the years, with this food surplus that some producers had, they managed to finance the development of new professions such as doctors, artists, carpenters, for example, who would uh, not dedicate themselves to agriculture, but would take care of other areas of society, solving problems that arose as populations grew and new inventions came up to solve them. And with that came an educational model that, as a reflection of this, built paths that shapes us from generalists and equal people in terms of knowledge as we are all born into specialized professionals along our training paths. That led us, or leads us, as it is until today, to see life made of phases, a phase of life where through education you learn the theory related to the field you want to work in, and then you use the rest of your life to apply this knowledge to productive activities and earn a living that way until you retire, right? stage of life to learn and another to earn from what you've learned in that specialized field isn't that you know the way we have always been taught right but that worked uh, until digitalization arrived that introduced much shorter technology update cycles guarantee more access to information and consequently putting pressure on these specialists throughout their lives Firstly, because jobs change over the course of a single career, and therefore you have to constantly update yourself. And secondly, because in a more complex and interconnected world, being an expert is not enough. Flexibility is required to bring together different areas of knowledge and thus gain a competitive advantage. Eventually, this is what I call cognitive flexibility in my lectures, which is a term that comes from psychology and whose definition is, by Diamond in 2013, the ability to jump between different tasks, areas, and mental groups, or also in its simplest form, it is the ability to quickly jump between er various areas of knowledge. You see, the great writer Scott Fitzgerald once wrote, the test of a first-rate intelligence is the ability to hold two opposite ideas in mind at the same time and still maintain the ability to function. And cognitive flexibility is exactly that, and it is increasingly becoming a core skill of any meta leader.
it is exactly what we need in a word with multiple converging technologies and multiple identities for our customers or even our employees. And so let's start off with the issues of identities. And let's face it, in the real world, identity is probably our most important asset. It's literally who we are. And just as identity and authentication play such an important role in today's physical and digital words, the metaverse will also require people to claim their identities. Here, however, you might be asking yourself, identities, and there wouldn't it be identity? Because normally you think about an identity for yourself, right? But think about your life. You might have a certain identity at work, depending on how you dress, but you might love riding a Harley Davidson on the weekend and, and certainly won't dress the same as you do at the office. Or you behave a certain way when you're with your family, but you behave differently when you're clubbing with your friends. Also, you can be a very quiet, introverted person when you're offline, but you can be a troll or an angry commentator and spreader of fake news when you're online. Now, this doesn't mean that you're a different person, but that you might have multiple identities, so to speak, or different ways that you would like to represent yourself. But think of the metaverse and its infinite words. You will have exponentially more identities than in the current world. The truth is, overall, the metaverse raises a lot of questions about the future of digital identities and online authenticity. Among the most pressing are how can individuals and businesses authentically represent themselves online? And what does digital identity mean in this next iteration of the Internet where the line between the physical and the digital is blurred? And how can they manage their multiple identities in multiple metaverses that serve multiple purposes? Or yet, how can I hire an avatar whose real identity I don't know? Am I hiring the person or the avatar? And this fundamentally asks us to contemplate multiple identities in the metaverse. If you don't think about people's requirements, their identities and the life cycle of new identities, you will create services that don't live up to the expectation of your users, in particular, their expectations in terms of privacy. So identity in the metaverse is more than a custom, costume or skin that you wear. It all consists of all the identities, pseudo-identities and anonymous identities that we uh, embrace today, but displayed in a way that could mislead us. We cannot forget that we're humans experiencing a reality that speaks many facets that we have inside of us. Do you recall the example of my Twitter, like my friend's Twitter meme page I mentioned at the beginning of the episode? That's exactly about that. If we... Uh, don't all act, a real dystopia will be created that prevents people from being who they really are. As you grow and change, you will be overwhelmed by who you once might have been or who some corporation assumed you were. You can do better by building metaverse systems that embrace the multiple identities that people have in real life. If you lose your identity in your metaverse, you really lose yourself. And the point of multiple identities is hard enough to deal with, but is that all? Obviously not. There's the technology component. Remember episode two, where we went through all the technologies and concepts of Web3 and the model we used? Well, if you don't, I'd recommend giving it a listen since it shows the potential of Web3 through the convergence of technologies and not taken individually. The truth is that fundamentally, one way of looking at the world is to think of it as a learning environment and the environment in which you must develop your skills and abilities. These environments can change, and they range from learning environments that are welcoming, that is, environments where it is clear what you have to do and which are outlined by clear rules, defined standards, and where the task does not change, to hostile environments where information is asymmetrical and incomplete, there are no clear rules, tasks change all the time, and where the feedback you receive all the time is delayed and unclear. Returning to the example of child prodigies, we only see them in familiar environments. 
welcoming environment, such as chess, playing the piano, sports, and so on. But most work these days is done in hostile environments. That is, the word that you want to have a large training surface for what scientists call a sampling period, where you can create conceptual frameworks and abstract ideas that can be shaped as the activity and as the concepts change. Again, until the end of the 20th century, most of the contribution came from experts, but in the information age and in today's complex landscape, the biggest contributions come from people who have knowledge spread over a large base of technical knowledge, namely taking something from one area and combining it with another, often creating convergence of new technologies, borrowing a term from Peter Diamandis, founder of Singularity University. It's with these reflections in mind and thought-provoking, uh, you know, like ideas that I would like you to reflect upon these during this week. That's it for today. Thanks for making it until the end. I'll also love to hear what did you think about the episode. You can contact me at my website, andreayori.com or on LinkedIn. See you next week.